This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. It's our open clinic show today, our Ask a Doctor segment. Although who we have on the show today is a dietitian, actually, Professor Dr. Winnie Chi, President of the Malaysian Dietitians Association. And the topic we're discussing today and getting your questions and your feedback on is how to eat healthy on a budget. Now, all of us think that eating healthy is expensive, that um, you must uh, have things like salmon and kale and um, avocados. But um, is, does that have to be the case, especially in Malaysia, uh, the land of such abundant other food choices? And now a lot of people are talking about affordable meals with the recent introduction of the five ringgit meals uh, through the Menu Rahma initiative. So is it possible to eat a balanced and nutritious meal amidst rising food costs? And does cheap uh, always mean bad or is there a way for us to find that balance between affordability as well as um, nutritious? So um, here to answer your questions about eating healthy on a budget, Professor Dr. Winnie Chi. Prof, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Xiaoyi. And good afternoon to all the listeners as well. So you can call us at 0377332900 or send us a WhatsApp message or voice note on 018789 or tweet us at BFM Radio with your questions about healthy eating, especially if you're stumped when it comes to food choices or cooking methods or... Um, you know, some uh, perhaps misconceptions or beliefs that you've had or heard about when it comes to eating well, uh, but also keeping the costs low. But uh, some basic principles first, Prof Winnie, in an ideal world or what you as um, a professional would like to see among our population, what should a healthy plate of food look like? Yep. So essentially, I think most of us have heard of the quarter quarter half, the healthy Malaysian plate, suku suku separo. There's even a song on it. I understand that's released. Uh, well, and then I'm actually, waiting um, for you to sing that song. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, but um, I actually chair the committee that looked at healthy plate. So I think most of us are um, familiar with the food pyramid, or some of us are, that you have to eat the five food groups. So there must be fruits and vegetables. There must be your rice, your bread, your cereals, right? There's also the protein source, which is like your fish, poultry, or soy, or legumes, or lean meat. Then there's milk and dairy products to give you your calcium. And of course, we all food must have a little bit of fats, you know, um, to cook it, right? And also some sugar and salt, but with very little rather than excessive. Now, how do you put all this in a plate? Because we don't eat a pyramid. So the plate, therefore, tells us how to portion the food accordingly. And what we're trying to push the message with the healthy plate is that any um, plate that you eat or bowl, right, if it's a noodle or a packet of, you know, the rice that you buy, it should be, half of it should consist of the vegetables. We're trying to get Malaysians to eat more vegetables because it contains fiber and it's been well proven to reduce your risk of diseases. Have a fruit at the side as well. So that's half of that plate. The other quarter of the plate should be our, our cereals, so our rice or our noodles, right, or pasta. Uh, and that should only be around one feastful size. Actually, Malaysians eat too much carbohydrate. That's what we found, right? And if you make those rice noodles or pasta whole grain, that's even better because then it gives you a lot more nutrients and a lot more fiber 
And it's been well published that this has actually reduced the risk of a lot of non-communicable diseases that we face now. And then comes the protein. So a lot of us eat more proteins, right? So we take, you know, fish and we take chicken again. So what we're saying is that keep to a portion, a quarter of it. So choose either fish or chicken or lean meat. Or even if you're vegetarian, it can be your dal, it can be your soybean, you know, or your beans uh, on seeds over there, or, or eggs, even eggs. So that's another quarter of it is your protein. And together with it, keep it low in fat and not too much salt, not too much sugar. So basically, in an in a easy way to understand for Malaysians, that's a healthy plate. Hmm. And uh, already we have a question from um, Adip Busku. How often should we consume rice then? And I think a lot of the concerns come down to uh, the carbs that you talked about. Yeah. And you said we that- should consume carbs every day. Mm-hmm. We should. There's nothing wrong with consuming rice every day, actually. It's about the portion, the amount of rice that you eat. But if you're a sort of person who's going to pile your plate high with just rice, very little vegetable, and a lot of kuah and you know uh, curries or, or fat on top, then that's not a healthy way to eat. And there's nothing wrong with eating rice. It's only wrong if you have, let's say, uh, you eat excessively, right? But if you keep within the healthy plate model, you can have rice uh, for lunch, rice for dinner, um, now we don't encourage. I mean, some of us eat rice for some 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 uh, groups eat rice for for breakfast as well, like porridge, for example. That's still okay. So what we need to do is, if whenever possible, we try to make the rice portion control, so not too much, and always eat it together with vegetables and fruits, mm-hmm. because that's how you modulate your. If you have diabetes, actually the vegetables and fruits will will actually be your cup blocker, if you like. I always say that, you know, so that the the rice doesn't have a huge impact on your blood sugar. Even for healthy people, if you have vegetables and fruits, it lowers the glycemic index and it makes the entire meal healthier. So So it's okay to eat rice. Okay, so that answers questions from um, two people who asked, you know, how often should we consume rice? You've addressed that. Um, If I eat rice every day, will I have health problems? You've addressed that as well. No, you should be eating rice or, or some okay. sort of carbs yeah. every day. Um, but, you know, would there be anyone who would need to cut down on their carb intake? Yes, of course. Uh, there will be people, for example. Well, let's let's first understand this. Carbohydrates provide about 60% of our total energy intake, right? So if you need about uh, 1,500 or 2,000 calories, half, usually about 50 to 60%. Uh, consists of carbohydrate and it gives you energy, it gives you vitamin B as well. And if you choose the whole grain type, it gives you fiber. So taking it completely out of the diet is not encouraged, right? But there are some people, uh, individuals who need to watch their carb intake, so they shouldn't eat too much. And these are usually people with obesity and diabetes. The reason being carbohydrate is very fastly uh, digested and it's, it will convert 100% to sugars in your blood. And if you are not a well-controlled person with diabetes, then it becomes an issue. So then, yes, you have to count your carbohydrate, we call it. So be more aware of um, the type of carbohydrate you're eating and also the amount of carbohydrate that you're eating. Yeah. So those people who are concerned with blood sugar would need to um, be careful with their carbohydrate intake. People with high triglyceride, that means the sort of uh, type of fat in their, in their heart, I mean, uh, in their bloods with high triglyceride, hyperlipidemia, will perhaps also benefit by cutting down carbohydrates and eating the right type and uh, not taking sugary foods because those can contribute to high triglyceride as well. You know, um, your suku-suku separo plate, uh, um, a lot of meals are 
sort of single dish meals, fried rice, um, yes. mee goreng, where you see maybe at best a sliver of vegetables in there. Yes. <laughs> so that wouldn't yeah. uh, that wouldn't fit the criteria, but right? You need to it, add more yeah, vegetables. That's right, it wouldn't. So if you're going to self-cook your fried rice, right, then follow the raw ingredients with the sukusuku separo, right? Mm-hmm. So have at least half of that um, before you prepare to fry the rice. Um, have the vegetables there, right? And then have a bit of your lean, you know, your chicken or your prawns together with it and go easy on the oil. Mm-hmm. So you can still keep to that portion of carbohydrate of sukusuku separo. So again, um, linked to calories, um, carbohydrate intake, um, AMZ801 asking on Instagram, does the source matter if the amount of calories are the same? For instance, 100 kilocal of rice versus 100 kilocal of fries. <laughs> yes, of course it matters. Although it may have the same calories, a lot of studies have shown that if you control the calories, but you defer the amount of protein, carbohydrate and fat, it does give you different health outcomes, right? So it is um, it is quite uh, important that within 100 calories, if you have fries of 100 calories, that comes with a lot of fat as well. That's how that 100 calories is achieved. So the proportion of fat there is higher. But you have just 100 calories of rice, that's mostly carbohydrate, right? So again, it comes back to what are your health goals and what your diet that suits your health goals. Yeah. All right. We'll go for a quick break. And when we come back, we'll start to dive into the budget part of healthy eating. How can we eat healthy and still, you know, take care of our bank account at the same time with um, cost of living going up. A lot of people have concerns about how they can make this balance. So call us at 03-7733-2900. You can also reach us on WhatsApp, either um, a text message or a voice note on 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Professor Dr. Winnie Chi, President of the Malay- Malaysian Dietitians Association on the show with me to answer your questions about healthy eating. Stay tuned to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiaoik. It's our Ask a Doctor segment today. We have a dietitian for you to ask your questions to. Professor Dr. Winnie Chi, President of the Malaysian Dietitians Association, and you can ask about healthy eating. But also, you know, we know that um, healthy eating is about balance, right? One of the principles. But also, how do you balance eating well with um, eating affordably? So we're kind of zooming in on that aspect of healthy eating today. You can call us at 03-7733-2900. You can also WhatsApp us a message or a voice note at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Get your questions in um, as early as you can so that we have time to address them. We have um, a message from Ow, Prof Winnie, and this is an interesting mm-hmm. one that I'm not sure I actually really understand it. Ow says the exact measurement of dietary carbohydrates for humans is exactly zero grams as the human body makes all the necessary glucose it needs from gluconeogenesis. Oh, okay. Well, that's not really true. I mean, first of all, is that we do need some amount of carbohydrate from into our diet. Gluconeogenesis is a process where when there is not enough glucose in the body from food, 
then it will break down uh, other sources so that the um, the organs can still use glucose, like your brain, for example, right? So you'll break down your fat. So that is the theory that comes from um, those who believe in the principle of keto diet, for example, ketogenic diet. So when you don't have, uh, you have very little, very low carbohydrate in your, in your meals, what happens is that there's not enough sugar for your body. So it breaks down um, fats instead, you know, to fuel the brain. And that's using ketone bodies. Now, um, in the long, so this is one of the principles that you will then induce a lot of weight loss, right? And um, keto diets are then promoted for weight loss and for um, diabetes and so on. But what has been shown um, in the evidence um, in the long term is that people who eat zero carbohydrate, their propensity to die, mortality rate is actually increased. And those who eat too much carbohydrate, their propensity to die is also increased. So it's kind of like a J curve, right? So there's been very nice evidence showing that there's this J curve. So there's a certain limit of carbohydrates we should still eat, right? That is actually going to maintain that good health. Um, and that's around 45-50% of carbohydrate, actually. Okay, so so I, I, I'm not a believer of um, you know, zero carb in the diet, because you also cut out a lot of nutrients that come with carbohydrate. And um, too much carbohydrate, of course, that's also a bad thing because then that's already, you know, uh, more calories and so on. And there's also effects about metabolic health that comes with high carbohydrate diet. So balancing it, that's what we need to do. A question from Robert. Is eating bitter gourd every day good for your health? <laughs> okay, bitter gourd is a vegetable, right? And it, uh, I think there are studies showing that it may have some what we call non-nutritive uh, uh, effects there, right? Phytonutrients. Uh, but, you know, if you eat the same food every day, is that going to be good or bad or, or health? Um, we don't encourage that. So don't eat the same food every day. So if you're eating vegetable, change and swap around different types of vegetable because different kinds of vegetables give you different nutrients, right? So yeah, so I would say, yeah, enjoy your bitter gut, but you don't have to do it every day. You can just swap around with different types of vegetables as well. Um, Ravin has some very, very um, relevant thoughts to share. Um, I consider myself very disciplined. I exercise every morning for one to two hours starting at 7 a.m. Well done, Ravin. But still struggle at buffets to not overeat. So Ravin's wondering if we should start putting overeating warnings at buffets and educate (laughs) Malaysians on their um, target uh, daily calorie intake. So, and then perhaps buffet, um, you know, providers should list out the calorie um you know uh, intake yeah. uh, of of each dish that's um that they're serving and also for restaurants to uh, be encouraged to offer free tap water as a standard practice so that uh, that could potentially cut down on the high consumption of soda and sugary drinks uh, by Malaysians. Some thoughts, yeah. Prof. Winnie. Yes, I think Ravi has got some very good suggestions there. I hope the people running restaurants are listening. Um, I agree with you. I, I think it's the, the key thing is to balance our food intake with our physical activity, which is probably what Ravi is doing. So that's good. But when you have and go for buffets, um, first of all, I think nowadays they they will charge you if you over you know if you take too much food and you can't finish and it. And if the you don't finish, right? you. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So that's probably a good way. Um, there's a trick to eating buffets. First of all, don't go too often. You don't have to eat buffets every week, really, right? It should be a special occasion and a treat. Um, then maybe not even once a month. I don't do that, but maybe you know there's a special birthday coming up and you're going to do that. So if you're going to go for buffets, first of all, is that know that you're going to eat a lot during the buffet. 
So throughout the rest of the day, don't already eat a lot, even at the beginning, right? And when you go there, start with your vegetables, right? Fill up with the salad, start with the vegetables, and then go to um, your meals, your main meal, right? And pick what you can, you can't eat every day, right? So you don't have to take every single thing that's on the menu. Okay? Although some people say, but it's value for money, or I paid so much already, so I really should try everything. So if you're that sort that's going to do that, um, know that tomorrow, you know, you balance it out again already. So it's just a treat once in a while. And more important is the bigger picture, right? How's your entire diet the rest of the time? Do you eat healthy most of the time? Do you exercise most of the time? Then going for to buffets once in a while for such individuals are fine. But if you're the sort that has been going every week and telling that, oh, every day is a special occasion and you see your weight creeping up, then maybe it's time to, to stop and reflect and, 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 you know, go and reassess back your health goals what you want to do. Absolutely. Um, a question from Winston. Uh, Winston is a uh, diabetes. Um, Winston has diabetes. Um, every week around three days will take fruits like lots of uh, varieties, um, pears, apples, oranges, pineapple, watermelon, uh, papaya before or after dinner. Is this okay because he has diabetes because fruits are sweet? Okay. So um, the sweetness from fruit comes from fructose, right? Um, but it does contain carbohydrates. So for somebody like Winston who has um, diabetes, you do need to be careful with your overall carbohydrate intake. And therefore, fruit will count as one of your carbohydrate servings. Um, now, if you're... Don't just focus on the fruit. Look at your overall carbohydrate intake. And the fruit could serve... If you're doing quarter-quarter half, right? So you have one serving of fruit during your meal, that should be fine. If you want to be a bit more discerning and you find certain fruits may increase your blood sugar more than others, that's because of the glycemic index and the fiber content of the fruit. So if it's of concern to you, like watermelon for some people, some of my patients, it's a no-go because it, it shoots up their blood sugar. So then they go for guava instead or they go for apple instead, which contains more fiber and that helps them to still keep their blood sugar low, right? How would so you know? choosing that would be good. Oh, okay. How would you, well, if you would look at a fruit and it's mostly water-based, like watermelon, right? So you know that um, it tends to have lower fiber. Another way is to go to MyFCD, which is a website by the Ministry of Health. It's called MyFCD. And you can type in the food and you can then check what's the fiber content, what's the calories like, how much carbohydrate is there. And that will help you. Um, we also, you can also Google glycemic index, although um, there's no extensive list, but for some fruits, you'll be able to find those which are of lower glycemic index, below 50, and that will be a better choice. All right. Um, we have two questions relating to being underweight and trying to gain weight. Um, so Albert uh, says, I'm unable to gain weight. My weight has been hovering around 60 kilograms. Um, I'm 178 centimeters. Uh, I'm avoiding meat lately. What would be a healthy weight gain diet? Okay, so let's just check and see. Um, what was that? 178. Uh, what was the weight? 60. 60. Kilos? That's right. Yeah, and he's quite tall, right? Okay. So yeah, his BMI is around 18.9. I'm not sure how old Albert is, but a healthy BMI weight range is actually between 18 to 22. Right. Mm -hmm. So then uh, he is kind of considered within the healthy healthy weight range. If he would like to put on a bit more weight, that means more muscle weight, I would think, rather than fat weight. Um, so keep to the principles of healthy eating still, right? Don't go on high-fat diets and eat lots of, you know, oils and stuff just to gain weight. 
um, load up on healthy proteins, um, you know, either lean meat or chicken or fish, um, eggs, you know, and also um, um, soybean, beans, legumes, that's all fine. Um, and follow the quarter, quarter, half and maybe eat a bit more frequently. So have more meals, uh, more snacks in between. So that will help to bulk up and also give you more calories and do your exercises. Yeah. All right. So hopefully that will help him. Keep your questions coming in. You can call us at 03-777-32900. You can send us a text message or voice note on WhatsApp 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. So today we actually wanted to also look at the cost of healthy eating or rather uh, how we as individual consumers can bring down that cost. So a um, couple of questions here. Um, well, can you actually still get a balanced, nutritious meal for, say, under 10 ringgit? I mean, setting aside, we'll, we'll look at menu Rahma in a short while, which is 5 ringgit. But, you know, be, uh, between, say, 6, under 10, um, is that possible, Prof? Yes, it is possible, Shari. And I know that uh, food cost has been going up. Even our mixed rice is now, you know, quite um, expensive, yeah, compared to previous because of the rising food costs. But it is possible to eat within 10 ringgit, uh, 8 to 10 ringgit healthily. Depends on where you go, of course. Uh, whenever, so most of us at office, after office, we may go to, I think Mama is very popular, isn't it? So wherever possible, like hawker stalls or what, try to look for, is it possible for me to get my quarter, quarter, half through the mixed rice? But don't go overboard on it. Um, cut down, you know, have a smaller portion of the rice. Again, vegetables, and then uh, pick your proteins wisely, right? So try not to go for the deep fried ones. Um, if there's fish, fish would be a better choice, lower in calories as well. Uh, if not, uh, if between a fried and a curry, maybe a curry will be better. I always tell my patients, choose the curry because the curry is not deep fried, right? And you can actually go easy on the kua, so that will reduce your calorie intake there as well. If you have beans or soy, uh, eggs, those are good sources of protein, cheaper sources of protein that we can eat, complete proteins that are good for us. Mm. So try to go for that if you... Um, where you can have that quarter-quarter-half concept there, lah, rather than ordering a chakwitiao and all that, which you know it's completely out of the healthy eating principles. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a treat again. That's a treat. <laughs> but not a daily thing. Um, you know, would, would the protein part of it be the one that brings up the cost? And, and, you know, is there a misconception that I have to cut out the protein so that I can keep the cost low? You can choose lower, not so expensive ones. So if you want to go for very expensive fish, you know, of course, then the cost is high, right? Uh, so affordable proteins will be uh, things like eggs is a good choice. Um, chicken nowadays, uh, although it's the price has gone up, but somehow people sell fish is more expensive, which is really a complete opposite because we do want to encourage more fish. But unfortunately, sometimes the demand is not there. So that's why the price goes up. Um, but taking beans and legumes is a, is something that Malaysians should, you know, the tempeh, for example, the soybean, um, those are actually very good choices of proteins, which are lean, no saturated fat. And you when you combine that with your rice, you actually get a complete protein amino, amino acids as well. So we should get used to eating more plant-based proteins if possible to keep the cost down if it's an issue for us to go for salmon and so on. Mm. So um, in line with that, a question, replacing animal protein with mushrooms? 
Mushrooms is, um, I wouldn't call mushroom a protein sauce. It's more of, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's mushroom as its own category. But in terms of essential amino acids, mushroom will not have that. So uh, I would encourage more of beans, legumes and soy. And then you can get uh, more complete proteins. Because to make up a protein, you need to have all these essential and amino acids, we call it, building blocks of protein. And those are the ones that your muscle use, right? So mushroom, it's like kind of like a vegetable. So if we just get it from mushroom alone, that won't be enough. You do need to diversify your plant proteins. All right. We have Ao on the line. Very quickly, Ao, before we go for our break, uh, you have a question? Yes, I do. Actually, I have uh, now that I've heard some part of what Dr. Rini said, I have now an additional question, uh, which is uh, my question is uh, maybe we should, uh, you know, we were talking about like how we are taking in foods and the calories and how much proportion of carbs you take. But uh, my question really is uh, what happens to the, the macro that we take in, right? Like, for instance, what happens to the carbs that we take in in the body and what happens to the fat that we take in? How is it digested? And then also uh, the other question is with regards to uh, plants. Uh, how do we address the the things that uh, that plants have anti nutrients? Right? Are the nutrients that we get from plants as bioavailable as uh, from animal sources? Let's say because plants have oxalates, they have lectin, they have uh, uh, phytates, and and uh, even uh, plant sterols, things like that. So how do we uh, go about things like that? All right. Thank you okay. so much, Al. We will address those on air. Yeah. So what was the first question again, Joyce? Thank you, Al. <laughs> how how I, I got are the macro, up. yeah, how are the macronutrients ah, uh, digested? Carbohydrates and fats are digested by the body. Okay. So the first thing that happens is that when you take carbohydrates, the digestion actually starts right from your mouth itself, right? It starts breaking it down to... Uh, um, eventually it has to arrive at a, as a glucose glucose in order for it to be absorbed by the gut. So that digestion starts from the saliva all the way down to your stomach and there will be um, hormones that are being released that will break down carbohydrate into a simpler form of uh, of uh, of glucose to the, to the very smallest form and that will be absorbed into the body. As for fats, it will be broken down to triglycerides, right? Because um, the fats that we eat are long chains, so it gets cut into smaller chains into triglycerides. From triglyceride, it will absorb and uh, enter into our digestive system. And then it will go into uh, building it to become saturated fat, monounsaturated fat, polyunsaturated fat, and so on. Uh, fatty acids, if you like, right? And that will be stored. Um, of course, some of it, for glucose, it will go straight to the muscle, go to the organ, it will be utilized. The brain especially uses glucose as the one of the sole source of, um, of energy. And then if any excess will be stored as glycogen, and then for fat, any excess will be stored as well fat. Then you know into our um, into our liver and so on. And when it's needed, it will the glucogenesis can kick in. You know where they get uh, um, as another source of glucose when there's not enough glycogen, for example. So that's what happened to our body. Mm -hmm. Now, as for the anti nutrients, right? Is that what the second question is? In plants was? and uh, plants. how bioavailable are they? Yeah. Okay. All right. So it depends on what we're talking about when it comes to bioavailability. So if you're looking at proteins, right, uh, bioavailability of plant proteins is there. There's no issue with that. It's only that when it's broken down into amino acids, like, you know, uh, we need certain essential amino acids that not all plant food will provide the essential amino acids. But if you combine cereal with plant proteins, then it becomes complete. Like, for example, rice may be lacking certain things that plant proteins have. 
or plant protein may be lacking something that rice actually has. So when you combine it that way, eating your dal with rice, for example, that becomes a complete protein, right? Similar to what you would get from animal sources of protein. Now, for some anti-nutrients, so-called, uh, depends. So if you're looking at oxalate, you're looking at phytate, actually cooking processes actually breaks it down. Okay, for this uh, and um, bioavailability, yes, it may not be as high. So take, for example, if you drink a glass of milk, bioavailability of calcium is very good. If you take soy, milk, bioavailability is less, right? But it just means you have to take more of it like, to be equivalent. Could you, so the clarify, here, yeah. Could you clarify first though what anti-nutrients are? Well, this is actually not a term that we would uh, call it as anti-nutrients. They are just um, fibrous components or components that actually hinder the release of nutrients. So that's what, uh, you know, the word that we learn is oxalate phytate, you know, but we don't call it anti-nutrients because it gives it a different connotation. So in terms of the how much of it is released that can be used by the body is what we call bioavailability. So sometimes and a good example is milk and soy. Right, calcium from milk, calcium from soy. So calcium from milk is very easily bioavailable. It absorbs very easily. But if you're taking soy base, there's some amount of phytate or oxalate there. Okay, and therefore um, you need have you have to take more of it. Like in green leafy vegetable, it has calcium, but because of the content of uh, phytate, it's not released so easily. So you need to eat more of it. That's why the principle that I'm trying to say is we need to eat a variety of foods. We cannot just eat one type of food. Right, So a variety of foods then mix up for each other and you get the complete um, uh, nutrients that you need. Mm, so that one food type then can make up for perhaps Correct. the lower bioavailability of something of else. Others, you get yes. the best of everything. Correct, yes. Yeah. So we that have, wholesomeness is important. We have a lot more questions coming in. You can... Uh, WhatsApp them to us at 018-789-8899 or call us at 03-7733-2900. I still haven't had a chance to ask Prof. Winnie about menu Rahma. So we'll get to that when we come back from the break. It's Ask a Dietitian today, Professor Dr. Winnie Chi, President of the Malaysian Dietitians Association, eating healthy on a budget. That's what we're discussing. So stay tuned to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik, and my guest, Professor Dr. Winnie Chi, President of the Malaysian Dietitians Association, answering your questions about eating healthy on a budget. Call us at 03-7733-2900, WhatsApp 018-789-8899, or tweet us at BFM Radio. We have Kevin on the line. Good afternoon. Kevin, you have a question. Yeah, uh, I have a question, yes. Uh, okay, just before I start my question, I share a bit of my background. I used to be like 90 over kilo. Now I lose over kilo, I'm 60 over kilo, mainly through diet and intermittent fasting. And uh, from what I learned through diet is uh, when I managed to cut down carbs, like almost completely except for vegetables and fruits, I noticed that my weight lose very fast, like, like very fast. Like, even whatever workout cannot compete with that. And then, yeah, so, but uh, the conversation that I heard just now from the doctor is like uh, the glucose that we eat, the, uh, the cup that we eat will turn into glucose and then store as a glycogen. But uh, does it end up into, becomes, if we eat a lot of it, uh, excess of it, like, because when I see a lot of diabetic patients, I mean, not, not all of them, but most of them, they are kind of overweight. 
So, so that's the the first question. It's really, I mean, like, how does the low carb, high fat diet work? Like in terms of diet, because now currently I'm eating about twenty percent to thirty percent of carbs of my diet is not as recommended mm-hmm. from uh, the call yeah. earlier, like fifty yes. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a second part to your question? Yeah, second part is uh, back to the Manurama. In my personal opinion, the best source of fat and cheapest source of uh, protein and fat is actually from egg, I believe. From egg, yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all I right. Mean, that's, that's, that's sharing. Something you want to share. All right, thank you, Kevin. We'll answer your question on air. All right, so his question was related to um, basically uh, he lost uh, a lot of yeah. weight through a low carb diet. Yes, that's right. So definitely, I, as I mentioned already, for carbohydrates in our diet, it tends to consist about, you know, as high as 60 to 70% of the total energy intake. So when you cut that off, definitely you're going to see the weight loss as well, right? So I think carbohydrate is one of the foods that has been highly um, controversial and very demonized. You know, in the early, early 80s, it used to be fat. Fat makes us fat. Now people say carbs make us fat, right? So I think I'm not. It's not surprising that if you go on a keto diet, you definitely will lose weight because overall, um, your energy intake drops as well as a major contribution of the energy intake drops. What we have done is we've analyzed diets which are more keto based, right? That means without the carbs. And what we saw was um, keto diets tend to be, while it's good for promotion of weight loss, uh, in the long term it can lead to nutrient deficiencies because a lot of the nutrients that's being supplied by carbohydrates, especially things which are whole grains, are actually missing from the diet. So the micronutrients are actually missing. So therefore, that's why uh, long-term keto diets actually um, the effect of it may not be so good, depending you know on the person's health condition as well. So that can affect my, especially micronutrients. So a lot of my patients, when they go on low-carb diet, they lose weight as well, okay? So if you maintain at about 20-30% of um, carbohydrate intake, uh, how accurate is that? Now, there are hidden forms of carbohydrate in other types uh, of food um, as well. So um, the key thing here is um, at least don't completely cut it off. Um, what, What I find disturbing is for some who practice keto diets, they actually go on a very high fat diet. So they eat saturated fat, you know. They take the butter and they put it in their coffee and then they're encouraged to eat a lot of fat because then it's supposed to burn fat. Now, um, that's where it gets dangerous and uh, it, it, it does impact your cholesterol level, your blood cholesterol level. It can give you a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. So if you want to go on low-carb diet, get proper advice. See your dietitian so that we are looking at carbohydrates that are not excessive but at an amount that will still give you total calorie intake that can give you weight loss, but not detrimental to the to the impact that you end up with a very high fat uh, diet that actually affects your cardiovascular risk. So I think that is important. Uh, that's the key message. Huh? Mm. So if we're going keto diets work, yes, but think about it for the long term as well, because there could be nutrient deficiencies there. And uh, two questions that are actually kind of similar related to the number of meals a day that we should eat, especially considering many of us are largely sedentary today. Should we be moving towards perhaps one to two meals, uh, incorporate some fasting instead of the three uh, sort of big meals that we're eating? Yeah. So there's been a lot of um, interesting debate and, and, and research done around frequency of meals, number of meals versus calories that you eat and so on, uh, which could you skip breakfast or not. So in the, uh, you know, um, 
I've been in this business long enough to know that in the earlier days, we say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Then comes intermittent fasting and then people are skipping breakfast and losing weight. So what is it exactly that's happening? I think what's important is um, now there are less, there, there's more evidence to show that maybe the, the, the timing of your meals may not matter as much as the quality of the meal that you're eating and um, in terms of the number of meals that you eat. For some people, if they're small eaters, they eat small frequent meal, it works for them because, you know, they eat small portions. So they still keep within the, the energy balance. They still have an energy deficit. They can still actually lose weight. For some people, eating more frequently and choosing the wrong type of, food, of, of meal and food that they eat just end up with more calories, mm-hmm. right? So it's very individualized. It depends on what do you mean by frequent meals, right? What, what are you eating during those frequent meals? So mm. that's that's an important factor to consider. Yeah. And uh, coming back to the cost and affordability, um, a couple of questions on social media. Is the menu Rahma really healthy? And can it, you know, is an, is, as an initiative, right, as a program, uh, can it actually help to tackle non-communicable diseases? Well, we don't have the. It depends on what they serve at the menu, Rama. So, if you're looking at um, what I've seen for some of the hawker stalls, is they're giving rice, then they give one protein and vegetable. Well, that's a pretty balanced diet actually, and smaller portion. So, it may actually work, right? So, it depends on what that five ringgit meal consists of. Mm. As I said, we talk about balance. We talk about healthy. Now, um, if let's say a lot of it is fried items, right? So, it's not necessarily healthy then. Okay, so whether it meets those uh, principle of quarter, quarter, half uh, is important. So yeah. that's going to come back to the choices we make yes, as we make, consumers. Yes. Um, a question from Mel, is it better to eat vegetables raw or cooked? What about juiced and if you drink it with all the pulp? Okay, so this is about some vegetables need to be cooked, so don't eat it raw because, again, we talked about the anti-nutrients earlier, right? So um, it could be, you, you need to cook it so that you can break down all of these and it becomes safe to eat. But there's some vegetables that you can eat as salads, right? So make sure you also wash it clean and all that. So if you're pregnant, and I don't encourage you to eat all these raw vegetables because there's a risk of uh, poisoning, so don't do that. But otherwise, um, certain foods that are meant for salads is fine to be taken raw, provided food safety is put in place, right? So that's fine. Uh, what was the other Juicing point? the vegetables. Juicing, mm. right. Okay, um, so if you juice the vegetables and you add in all the pulp and all, it still contains the fiber, that's, that's fine. You can take that. But some people overdo it. Then, um, then you have to be careful as well. So because juices, especially when I deal a lot with people with diabetes. So for people with diabetes, I don't encourage them to juice because when you juice, you tend to also put more than one serving of fruits into your juice. Mm, but that's and, juicing um, of fruits, lowers, right? Yeah. Vegetables, not so, not, it's better, not so bad, but depends on how you do it and how much of the pulp is actually being included as well. Mm. So um, there's a lot of interest in juices right now. There's a lot of juice bars around. Um, when you add a lot of stuff into your juice, the calories still go up anyways, right? So just keep it simple and whenever possible, eat fresh. Lah. So vegetables, cook it and then eat at least you know a cup a day. If you want to juice it, that's up to you. But um, you don't have to always do that. Mm. I think vegetables are more fun when you can eat them, right? And crunch Correct, them. crunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, a question from Kinson about health re- uh, meal replacement protein shakes. Um, are they mm-hmm. healthy or okay to be taken every day? Depends on what you take it for. 
right? I have a lot of patients now who are very aware about the use of meal replacements. And they say, does it help me with my weight control? Yes, if you're very disciplined. So in other words, um, if you tend to not have healthy choices or you eat a lot during lunch, for example, you decide that, okay, I'm going to skip that and I'm going to take a meal replacement beverage. So that's fine. It does help to lower your total calorie intake and it may help you uh, to lose weight. But sometimes uh, what happens is if you don't eat to, if you don't learn to eat healthy, if you don't learn to also select choices of food, what happens when you stop the meal replacement, your weight comes back up? Because the skill of eating healthy is not there. Mm. Right. So it's important to actually balance both. Also eat healthy mm. and then take meal replacement for certain days or certain meals to push your weight loss further. Okay. So the goal and objective must be very clear why you're taking it. Um, another question. Uh, besides olive oil, what is a healthy cooking oil? Is rice bran oil healthy? And linked to that, there was a question also whether seed oils are harmful. Mm -hmm. First thing first is all vegetables oil will be healthier than animal fats, right? So cooking with ghee, with lard, that is probably a bad thing to do. That's not a wise thing to do. Um, cooking with vegetable oils is the right thing to do. Now, the type of vegetable oils that we have, um, most of it, more, in Malaysia, most of it is based on palm oil. So it's palm olin. So that's pretty balanced in terms of saturated and also oily, uh, I mean, the longer chain fatty acids. But if you want to really... Um, Take healthy oils because you want to change your cholesterol, push your cholesterol level down. You want to prevent your cholesterol level from going up. Um, then taking the longer uh, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated oils will be better. So rice bran is a good oil, olive oil, canola oil, blends of um, you know palm with canola, sunflower. All these oils are, are good things to take. Mm, we have a question um, here whether flaxseed oil. Is yes, it's also a part of that, right? So it's more of the unsaturated fats when you take vegetable oils from seeds or from things like uh, soy, right, or olive. These are not seeds, but they are still vegetable oil. They are generally healthier than, uh, as I said, oils which are high in saturated fat la, or mm -hmm. fats, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But remember, oil is oil, meaning oil is calories, right? So it's still a good it's still prudent not to go overboard with oils. Mm. And the, the saturated fats, butter would be one of them, right? Yes, butter will be from animal fats, so therefore it will contain saturated fat. Mm. So you want to be looking at where you can replace that with the vegetable oils? Or a margarine that has got olive oil. Nowadays, you get soft butter, right, which contains, which is a blend of, uh, uh, they put in olive oil as well, right? So that will be a better choice than pure butter. But if you really want to go healthy, then you should avoid that and even don't even have butter at all. Go for other form of spreads which are more healthier. Vimalan is asking, is vegetarianism encouraged? Depends. You you can eat healthy. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I have vegetarians, uh, friends and also patients who uh, can be obese as well, can also have diabetes, right? Okay. But um, it depends on how you view vegetarian diet. So if you wish to... Um, switch from being um, not eating too much red meat and all that and prefer to go for more plant-based and vegetarian, that's a good choice. It depends on, again, why you want to do it. Okay, So what is the purpose of doing it? But even as a vegetarian, you should also still eat healthy because vegeta veget certain vegetarian uh, meals can be very high in sodium. It can also be very high in fat because it is mostly deep fried. So again, um, try and balance all that as well. You know, um, But if you have a high cholesterol issue and you want to switch to become vegetarian, that's probably a good choice because you cut out a lot of your saturated fat.
And um, vegetarians tend to be leaner and they have lower risk of non-communicable uh, diseases actually. Um, eating an egg every day, is that bad for cholesterol? No, it's not. Not anymore. When I was a student, I was told it was bad. But now I find that now uh, the, the new evidence have shown that um, dietary cholesterol, that means cholesterol that comes from the diet, does not quite uh, have a huge impact on your blood cholesterol level. Taking lard, taking saturated animal fats, uh, oily and uh, meaty, fatty meats are more detrimental. Mm. So eggs one a day, no problem. All right. Um, again, very briefly, as we're running out of time, stevia drops, is it a good replacement for sugar? And, uh, you know, and yes. linked to that, are artificial sweeteners healthy? Okay. Um, artificial sweeteners, if you're replacing like stevia, um, that's fine. You can replace instead of taking sugar itself. But whatever it is, never go on overboard. Okay, artificial sweeteners nowadays have got negative reports coming out in animal studies showing that it's linked to some uh, unhealthy conditions. Um, no human studies at the moment that shows that. Uh, however, just be careful. Don't go overboard. Just take it in small amounts. All right. We have a question here that I really like. Um, if I meal prep and make several batches of the same food to eat for a week, mm -hmm. is that healthy considering you're kind of eating the same food um, for several days in a row? That's fine. Next week, switch it around. Don't eat it for the rest of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think meal prep is a great way. I love people. I mean, I have some patients that actually go meal prep and then, you know, they have controlled calories. They've got variety in it. Make sure that the meal prep is also has variety. So three, four days is fine. But next week, switch the recipe. All right. Um, <laughs> a final message, a wrap-up, takeaway message for our listeners about eating healthy on a budget, Prof? I think that eating healthy can happen on a budget. Right, So keep to um, the basic principles of quarter, quarter, half as much as you can. Go easy on the oils and the sugars and the salt. I know that Malaysia has got lots of abundant or very tasty food. right? But for most days of the week, eat healthy. And then the rest of it is a treat. All right. Thank you so much, Prof. I've been You're speaking to Professor Dr. Winnie Chi, President of the Malaysian Dietitians Association. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.